Brewers are true listeners. If you'd like to add me on Instagram and Facebook, it is at the Rumors Are True cast. If you'd like to like and subscribe, feel free. You know what to do. If not, no matter what, I really appreciate you listening. So again, if you'd like to add me, you know the drill. If you'd like to subscribe, you know it even better. Thank you, guys. Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Welcome back to this latest episode of the Rumors Are True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Drew Mellon. You know Drew from the bands Color Revolt, Fletcher, and Don Quixote's Horse. Drew and I have an awesome conversation about his intro into music, as well as the bands he's been in and the records he's played on. An awesome conversation with a very, very cool person. So I hope you enjoy this latest episode with Drew Mellon. 
Hey, Drew, what is going on, my friend? Thank you uh, for joining my podcast. Hey, man, how's it going? It's great to be here. Awesome. It's going really well, man. I, again, I appreciate you being on and really looking forward to this conversation, man. What, what do you got going on uh, in your life currently? Tell me what's going on in your world. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently the, the CEO of a company called Swellophonic. It's a retail store here in, in Fondren. Uh, it's a, the art district of Jackson, Mississippi. We do uh, sneakers, skateboards, men's and women's clothing, a uh, bunch of stuff like that. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun just to kind of create and problem solve and um, figure things out. Um, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And then uh, I'm a dad. I've got a three-year-old going on four. Mm. And, uh, that's mm. that's most of my life is, you know, everything involved in that. It's definitely the, the funnest slash most important uh, part of my life right now that yeah. I enjoy. My daughter's name is May, and she's uh, hilarious and, and <laughs> lively yeah um, very, very very sweet so she's she's a joy to be around um, that, that's the most important thing i have in my that's life awesome. i love that man that's amazing it's funny how <clears throat> you know we all kind of grow up and we're you know get obsessed with music or get obsessed yeah. with records and then you get to this point in your life and you're like well this is my this might not be as the most important thing <laughs> this might not be you know what i should be doing i should be you know loving my family and spending time with my family you know it's so, been fun to introduce her to music and just see what yeah. she's next with and my wife's got a very eclectic music taste and um you know loves to share stuff too so it's fun to watch her enjoy things um and then you know you know like wheels on the bus or something like that <laughs> at the end of the day she's like yeah, yeah i'm gonna listen to this i need the wiggles on right now <laughs> yeah. we got her one of those luke um three string guitars for christmas oh that's cool um, so she can kind of jam with me and it's pretty fun she that's likes, really cool she's just making noise but uh that's where it all starts yeah it's true <laughs> it's, it's true yeah. I mean, you never know the influence, you know, that, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, where, which I was going to bring up next. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about growing up for you, kind of how music came yeah. into your life specifically, um, maybe some records, bands, influences. Um, yeah. yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I think like my first kind of um, recollection of, of music is, is really my sister who is a she was a songwriter in nashville for um, most of my kind of formative years she, oh, cool. was, uh, she was writing country music uh in nashville and uh, she's a she's not doesn't play any instruments but she her thing was lyric she's a lyricist so mm. Her role, but uh, it was all country music, and so '90s country, you know, Vince Gill, Garth Brooks, mm -hmm. that whole uh, Clint Black, you know, like all those old, old, old um, '90s um, iconic kind of. Sure. Uh, not that she worked with them, but she introduced them to me. To them, uh, I saw Willie Nelson a few months ago. Uh, it, you know, he's 90 years old and, and still, you know, out there. Awesome. <laughs> uh, and I got to see him with her uh, in Nashville when I was probably like 10. So. Wow, that's so cool. 
there's kind of that through line of just like, oh, this is cool. Like people are on stage playing instruments and all these people are standing there watching them. And I always kind of connected with um, being on a stage, like even if it was like little choir concerts or whatever, I was um, completely comfortable. Like there was yeah. never really a point where I was like nervous or scared to be up there. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, what are y'all worried about? Like, this is fun. You know, it was just <laughs> always like uh, energizing for me. I love, yeah. you know, having a crowd. Um, you know, as a kid, we would make up, you know, fake bands with those uh, the drumsticks. I don't know if you remember. I can't remember what they were called. It was just like two drumsticks. Everything was wired back then, connected to a little pack. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that. It was like a little snare sound. <laughs> and so, like, my neighborhood friends and I made up a little country band. Um, and, and that was our drummer. I was just playing one of those little, you know, I can't yeah. remember them all, but they were, you know, Fun. I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we were music was always kind of like a, a a joy for me, something that I cared about and wanted to um, to to do, you know, in any form. Uh, and then when it became more, I guess, concrete, um, is that you know, look, we had bands, you know, they were never really did anything, but. Um, where it became really more real, was I was a super huge youth group kid growing up. Same you know? here, buddy. Same yeah, here. I mean, that was the center of my world. Um, and looking back on it as a 40-year-old now, you know, I can kind of see the, the, the absolute benefits and positives. And then I can, you know, objectively look at it and say, well, oh, there's some things that were kind of sketchy. Sure, and, sure. And made me... You know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about some of my attitude because I, at times I felt like it made me um, feel better than a lot of people. Mm. And that was something I had to kind of shake off because that was, you know, very false. Uh, but so much of growing up in that world um, was positive for me. And, and the biggest one was uh, when I was in junior high. Um, we had a youth minister who was just like, well, we're going to have a youth band now. And we were like uh, completely forward that they would, you know, throw that to us. You know, that felt like something you needed, you know, a more grown person to do, but then they were going to just hand it over to us. So there was two high school guys um, who one played bass, one played drums, and I had a guitar. How to play some chords, and so they were just like, "Yeah, you're gonna play guitar. We really want you to play guitar." So it was these two like very cool, older, pretty good musician dudes uh, who were like, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do this too." And so that was <laughs> a long way for me, uh, giving me confidence, you know. And, and uh, to I've always been one to kind of like go for it <laughs> sure whether the ability was fully there or not and uh and, and that kind of laid the foundation for me just being willing to to try um to try stuff yeah and so absolutely. that was cool and, and you know i would do that for years and years and years to come um and it would be a big point a big part of, of who i was yeah it just it, it taught me how to play music 
together. And this isn't like church music today with tracks and in-ear monitors. And I mean, you had a projector screen with the actual laminate. Um, yeah, I, I remember those. Yep. Things. You had to like lay on top and you had somebody. You had to move, switch them out. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Everything was printed out on paper and there was maybe a full monitor, you know. Um, so it was, it, it, it also kind of bred me into that, like, um, just kind of DIY-ness of it too. That, yeah, yeah. That, that became a big part of my musical journey is I played a lot of venues where you show up and you're like, well, there's a couple speakers here. And <laughs> there's a power amp over there. We're going to, we got two channels, you know, we'll yeah. figure it out. Yep. So that, you know, that playing in like that youth band, uh, youth group band, laid a lot of musical foundations for me that um, I still carry a lot of that with me and how I That's operate cool. into everything now. So um, it was it was an experience I'll, I, I'm completely uh, look back on fondly. That's so cool. That's awesome, man. Um, so you mentioned the country music. <clears throat> when did you start to kind of, delve out of that and and i guess in that time frame where you start to discover bands and, and any particular yeah. bands that kind of kind of you gravitated to there there was the um you remember columbia house yes i do oh yes yeah like a little, uh, 11 cents or something like that yeah. and you got something like that you got yeah or, or something um i remember sending off for that uh, and getting a whole bunch of stuff like the Lawless Moore set. Um, the, what else did I get from them? Uh, I can't remember now what exactly it was, but I remember those were like the the some of the first CDs I had yeah. that I that I chose yourself. Um, yes, you know, I like picked out from their catalog or magazine or whatever it was. Uh, I remember, you know, a lot of that was stuff. It was like some 311 in there. Like, uh, yeah. Matthews, and I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. But uh, some <laughs> of the other stuff that like, I really connected with, and was like, this is cool. And um, and then I got introduced to, to Tooth & Nail Records kind of through the um, through the being in the youth group and stuff sure. like that. Just being around people who are into that kind of stuff. And um there were a ton of ton of bands like MXPX and Five Iron Frenzy who went and do the nail, but was kind of in that world. Yeah, sure. and, um, um, Starflyer and like bands like that that really just started sticking out to me uh, as I was starting to come into my own musically. And then um, you know, bands like we discovered bands like Further Seems Forever mm-hmm. um, because they. I can't remember how we found them. Somewhere in that scene, and then they played in, in a, the city we lived in, in Jackson, and um, we were like, these guys are really cool. We wanted, <laughs> They're real good. We wanted to be them, you know, and the band we were in, we were like, how can we be, be like them? Um, and then there was a band called The Operation who played. Yeah. Me Without You, previous Me Without You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, these guys are cool. And then I was at uh, Family Christian Bookstores because that's where you went yep. to buy physical yep. copies of these records. And there was a record that said, um, 
members of the operation. Because like, I used to put stickers on yep. CDs that were like uh, for fans of, members of, you know, so it was members of the operation or something like that. It was the first Me Without You, A to B Life record. Crazy. And um, that record was like um, a spiritual experience in itself. And then, yeah. of course, the next subsequent next to Catch Us Fox's Brother Sister, those were just. I mean, that was groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it, there was nothing in my life that I had heard that was cooler than that because I'd gotten into like at the drive-in and um, some bands like that, and, and then there was nothing that was in my world, you know. It was like like at the drive-in, people like that weren't playing in Mississippi. But yeah, we without you would come through and you know play. That's cool. Um, Hattiesburg, you know, places that were close enough for us to go, uh, and then I subsequently lined up. Uh, touring with them a bunch and uh, getting to be uh, friends with some of those guys and that's cool. Uh, love them to this day. Super sweet, just huge impact on my life. But uh, that's jumping way way down the road. Um, other bands that I kind of connected with early on that I would say were sort of foundational would be like Jimmy Eat World. Um, yeah, great band. And, I think Bleed American was technically the first album I heard, but mm -hmm. then that introduced me to Clarity. Clarity. It's just yep. one of the best records I've uh, yep, ever been made. Um, I love those guys as far as their, the way they approach songwriting. Um, totally. The way they approach recording and stuff like that, I think is, um, is really noteworthy. I think they're... Um, you can look at a lot of what they've done. And then uh, Cursive, I kind of got into Cursive yeah. uh, for a while. And then we, we got to play with them a few times. But, oh, that's cool. Um, they are like, they're one of me without you, Cursive. There are two of the bands that just stick out as like super foundational for me, super uh, influential with that, that I really, really <laughs> enjoy. I, I can um, hear that in Color Revolt, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Color Revolt was super into cursive and you know, you and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Moss Mouse and, and a lot of yeah. that. Yeah, great um, stuff. Another one that kind of uh, sticks out. So um, I got into stuff like that. It was sort of, you know, um, Branching out into the more of the, the semi-aggressive sort of indie scene. Yeah. Um, and then I got into a lot of like just, uh, I kind of always liked heavier, more aggressive stuff. But then I got into, um, when we actually started traveling and stuff, we wound up on bills with, and on tours with bands that were more aggressive, like SE's Burn and, um, you know, we would see Norma Jean all the time. They would come. They were from, you know, Georgia, so they sure. were they played Mississippi a good bit. Um, bands like that that I just really loved. And we we toured with the uh, the Chariot on their first. I think it was the first Chariot tour. Wow. Um, and uh, it was just insane. I but, bet it was. I bet so it was. I, you know, I, I really connected with some heavier stuff as well. But yeah. All that's been, let's see if there's anything else that uh, Built to Spill, Death Cab, um, Radiohead is, is a band. That, Great band. Love those uh, bands. Luckily, been able to see twice and uh, just like changed change my uh, whole perception on what music <laughs> could be. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, sure. what you can actually They're do. from another planet, dude. Yeah, Different. absolutely. Um, that that one of you want to color its biggest things was how can we be ready? We want to do things. No shame in that. Be a little weirder, you know, be a little more out there, try things that are sort of different. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, that, those are all. Man, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody off. Uh, the the Subordin, um Of course, like uh, 238 was a band. Oh yeah, Chris yeah, is great. So, yeah. so, you know, first big deal. Uh, they they played in Jackson a lot, and we got to play with them some and then tour with Discover America, the second project that yeah. came out of that. But uh, they were, I mean, just to see what they could do with uh, I mean, barely using overdrives and, uh, and just being, you know, being a great band that yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> it was really great. Um, yeah, I got some notes on some Pedro the Lion's always been a huge Oh, yeah. Great band. Man, it's, it's the thing about Dave Zahn and their, you know, like, I feel like he's had similar journeys, uh, a similar journey to me and a lot of people I know who kind of grew up in that yeah. super, super Christian world and then um, started seeing that there was more more out there and that some of the things sure. we had thought might have been uh a, a little small sided uh and and narrowing and um just to see the journey he's been on i think is uh it's been cool and then to see where he's at now um making pretty happy records <laughs> yeah. sound great and super fun so um I don't know. I feel like we've all kind of been in this this world of uh, early to mid two thousands indie rock, and then just to see how that evolution has been has been yeah. cool. And it's cool to see a lot of these bands still doing stuff and totally reuniting or you know doing stuff like that. Absolutely, that's cool, man. That's awesome. I feel like uh, <clears throat> I have very similar tastes to you. So that's really cool to hear that. Uh, you know, I definitely, all those bands you mentioned, uh, yeah. I love them dearly. So I get it. It's awesome. I love that they impacted all of us at the same time. It's, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, shout out to them for yeah. <laughs> inspiring the generation. Shout out to Ruling. Yeah. That's awesome. Sweet, man. Well, let's talk about <clears throat> Fletcher, the, the first band yeah. that you had uh, previous to the color basically color revolt uh before it was color revolt so let's talk yeah, about how that kind of came together yeah four of the guys were in fletcher that were in color revolt and we added sean kirkpatrick he uh he came along um kind of as we a little a little bit after the change but sort of fill everything out and take it yeah. to the next level but i got in that band because um uh, my friend Robert Chisholm, who was in Jonesetta, uh, I know you've done an episode on them with, with Ty Garvey, and uh, me and Ty's lives are very, very much connected, but um, he's one of my best friends, so he'll probably come up a lot as we talk about kind of what I've done in the musical sure. world. Um, Robert went to school uh, with some of the guys that were in Fletcher. Uh, and then he had come back to Clinton, Mississippi, come back to that school system. And uh, so he knew those guys, and he was very into what they were doing. They were, um, you know, kind of writing some songs that were 
pretty deep and sort of complicated for a bunch of, I don't know what we were at the time, 17-year-olds, or maybe not even that. And uh, he was just really into it. He was like, their bass player just, you know, moved off to go to college or something. And so he was like, yeah, they're just playing as a three-piece, two guitars and drums. And uh, he was like, you should go try to play bass for them. Because Robert would play it in the, um, the youth band that, that me and Ty were both in. And I had been playing bass in that. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of, he gave me Lynn, uh, Lynn Clark, the drummer's um, AIM name, you know, AOL Instant Messenger mm-hmm. uh, name. And so I started talking to Lynn on that. And he was just like, yeah, I am. You know, why don't you come, you know, come to one of our practices and play with us? And so I remember coming and uh, kind of just learning some of their songs. And, and we actually started writing um, one of the songs. It was either at that first practice or shortly after that would wind up being on that Fletcher Friends Don't Speak record. Um, I believe it was Religion Versus Ethics is the name of it. But uh I don't know what that means. We probably didn't know what that meant at the time either, but it sounded cool. Um, but I started, I remember our first practice just talking about like, oh yeah, we could probably play in Nashville because my sister lived there. and We'd probably do this and that. And I think whether I was any good or not, they were like, oh, we could go do, <laughs> we could go do some stuff. So uh, yeah. we did really well and uh, uh, wound up, you know, uh, working out. Yeah, we started playing a lot and uh, writing the songs that would become that record. And um, yeah, we had a guy named uh, Cheney Nichols who was a Jackson guy. He lives in Memphis now, but um, he was a, an attorney here who loved music and loved all you know the scene here. All, you know, was at every local show. Uh, he and his wife Leah were just kind of like the godfathers of the music scene <laughs> uh, and they he and another guy named scott prather uh, who was in one of our favorite local bands called bellador they've been ransom tree they transitioned into um, a band called bellador uh, that was um, we love to death super good friends of ours they're um they put out some good record or maybe just one bellador record but uh, <laughs> Those two guys, Scott and Chaney, started a local label called Esperanza Plantation. And it was just a small, like, record label. I don't think we ever signed any documents or committed anything like that. Very much like a, I believe in these local bands. I want to help them succeed. And so uh, he paid for our first record, which we did with uh, Andrew Goldman in, in Atlanta, uh, and he, he's the one he did um, the under oath. Oh, uh, Matt Goldman. Yeah, Matt Goldman. Yes, yeah. Andrew. Uh, Andrew, somebody else. Matt Goldman. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. Matt um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He did Copeland. He did uh, under oath. He did a lot of really great records, and so he uh, we got to go record with him in like a super legit studio, and he was an awesome awesome guy um we spent the night in the studio and lived there for a week and cranked out this record and so it was a super awesome experience that we wouldn't have ever gotten to do without cheney and scott and, and that's cool so uh yeah very very awesome experience and we loved um 
being a part of that group. Uh, Esperanza Plantation, they, they had a band called Questions and Dialect. Uh, oh, I've heard of them, yeah. Their instrumental band um, that's uh, super cool. Uh, they were real, he was, Jamie was real instrumental in getting um, the band The Weeks. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. They're out of Nashville now, but they're from Jackson. Uh, I think they're on, uh, who they recorded with? I can't remember, but they uh, they they've gotten you know a lot of a lot of following yeah. and, and toured full time and, and they're doing it you know up there. So that's cool. They were from Jackson on that label, uh, kind of got going because of them. So um, yeah, it was a very cool cool thing to have a guy uh, two guys sort of you know they were committing essentially money. Um, to us going and recording, you know, the, the risks were, you know, pretty low for them. But to say, like, oh, yeah, these these kids, because we recorded that Fletcher record um, 2000, I think it was the fall of 02. Wow. It might have, it had to be, yeah, because I was a freshman in college, and the other three guys were seniors in high school. Wow. Yeah, we were we were young. Um, yeah. And you, uh, when we were, you know, showing up at this guy's studio, and now he's, you know, we didn't realize it, but he was also probably half babysitting us as well. <laughs> but, mm. uh, you know, he, he made a great record, and it was super fun to, to be a part of that. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, we started touring um, a good bit after that. Uh, Who were you playing I, with? Huh? Who were you playing uh, with in uh, bands? Other bands, uh, at City's Burn, yeah, Anathalo. We toured a lot with Anathalo. Um, good bit of folks are now a band called the Evan Anthem. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, they're yeah. great. great band. Uh, there's some bands from Texas, they started as. They wound up being Stella Maris, but they started as something else. And then I think they changed to something else. You know how it is. But, um, you know, the, uh, I went to school in Clinton, Mississippi, at Mississippi College. And the other three guys all went to Ole Miss, which is in Oxford. So we were living about two and a half hours apart. But I would... Um, Every weekend, I was essentially going to Oxford and staying with them and uh, writing and um, playing regional shows. You know, we would play either Jackson, Oxford, Memphis, um, somewhere, uh, Birmingham. We, we were playing a lot of shows every weekend while being in college. Yeah. Uh, we did that for the whole duration of our college lives. And so, um, Somewhere in there, about 2000, it was probably four, early five, we decided, um, we kind of got the itch to sort of do something different. Um, the sound was evolving. Sure. Um, I think kind of the, uh, a lot of stuff was kind of, I mean, we were growing. We were, I mean, the, the crazy thing about all this to think about now in my where I'm at in my life now is to think about you know some of the employees I have every <laughs> in our store or the age I would have been and I'm like dang we were interested with a 
not fully formed brains. Totally. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that would kind of show as we got towards the end of my run, just the, the conflict that sort of existed there. Sure. There's was, was a lot of just growing up and becoming who we were and stuff. But um, some point around 2004, we decided Fletcher was sort of in the past and we were looking forward. And um, Jimmy Cajolas, who uh, was in, in the band, uh, he's got a bunch of books out right now. You should definitely look up. Oh, that's cool. Uh, he's, he's an author and uh, lives in New York and uh, is killing it. But he's always been a huge reader. You know, he would, this was before Kindles and stuff like that, iPads, anything. So for a tour, he would have just like sacks of books. And uh, we just gave him the shotgun seat in the van because the whole floorboard would just be like stacks of books. And then he would have to like sit cross legged up there and um, uh, to and just read all the time. So he he had read the book. Uh, I don't know, I know the name now. Um, it just slipped my mind. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wish I knew because I would tell you, but I I, I don't. It's know. out there. Uh, what's it called? <laughs> I'm blanking on it. It's, it's like okay. It's okay. Uh, I knew it earlier. Uh, Bible. It'll come to me in a minute, but, but in there somewhere was the, the phrase color report. And um and we just thought that sounded cool and kind of yeah spacey and um artistic and so we we uh we decided that that was what we were gonna be and um we we got home from that we decided that on tour. So like uh, as Fletcher we decided it kind of midway through a tour and so we came home and um, you know, had probably most of what would become like Color Vault EP written and had been playing their song. And so we kind of did a relaunch show at a place called WC Don's that we played at a ton in Jackson. It was a formal brothel slash, you know, drugged in <laughs> multiple points in time. Um, and this uh, dude had, um, letting people play there and it was very 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 punk rock viola slash slightly scary um but we did we played there all the time but we did a big show there uh kind of relaunching the name the new cool. name thing um then started working towards that next album we added sean kirkpatrick who had uh, become the third guitar player slash other vocalist and um you know he definitely added uh, a little bit of something we didn't have, uh, sure. probably a little more of the, the pop elements, um, the catchy kind of stuff. The, um, you know, he had a, a jazz master and he, you know, that kind of punchy, clangy uh, guitar tone he got was something we, we didn't have. I mean, Jess would do something really intricate, like kind of riffy, and, and, and Jimmy was doing real atmospheric, kind of uh, incredibly creative, but super like smooth um, kind of yeah. parts. And so it really fit just having the three guitars. Uh, and the, the challenge was to do it in a way where, it, you know, it was almost never everybody playing the same thing, but to compliment rather than to just 
be sure. loud. You know, the goal was never just to add more volume to it, but to, there was parts to be played and to push yeah. out. So, um, Sean was a perfect fit for what we were doing, and I really kind of, kind of took it took it from that Fletcher was the baby to Colorful being more of the teenager, kind of growing into itself and, and what it would ultimately become. So that rounded it out as the as the five that would um, be Colorful as as I knew it uh, up until two thousand seven. Um, you mentioned the EP, which is fantastic, by the way. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, that recording has a story as well. Well, I was going to ask you, let's talk about that EP briefly. Yeah. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, th just looking back on it, just just curious how you how you feel about it. And, and uh, why wasn't it a full length? Yeah. Um, the, the EP, we started recording it, and it wound up just being demos. But we started uh, in... Oxford recording with a guy in uh, Esperanza Plantation, paid a bunch of money, you know, for us to record with this guy. Um, it was, you know, a lot of amps and guitars, you know, like cool stuff. And so, you know, we would try different amps, different guitars and stuff on every song. And it was just kind of all over the place because we were, again, young and didn't know what we were doing. But uh, it didn't sound like us. It, it, we weren't happy with it, so it wound up never being the, you know, what people heard. It wound up just being demos. But mm -hmm. um, in 2000, uh, what year did Katrina hit? Was it? Oh, five. Oh, what's that? Probably <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. probably about that. Um, during right after Katrina, like most of Jackson didn't have power, mm -hmm. uh, but. Um, we were set to record uh, at, uh, at, at, I think it was a house, it, wasn't it was Cheney's house, it was Cheney Nichols from Esperanza Plantation's house um, that we wound up recording in, um, I'm pretty sure, and uh, with just the, the guy that I actually replaced, the first bass player that moved to college and, and opened up the spot for me to join Fletcher, he actually recorded that EP. His name's uh, Stephen uh, Bevilacqua, and um, he's done some cool stuff since, but he, um, he was just like, you guys are using your guitars and your amps. They were recording this just like it would be y'all playing a live show. And it really captured our sound more. Um, and it was just great. But it was right after that, like, I think the block of um, houses that we recorded in had power and no one else did. <laughs> it, was, um, it was a great experience because it was more intimate. It wasn't sure. in a big fancy studio with vintage gear. It was like Stephen's recording set up set up in Cheney's house in the spare bedroom, you know. Um, and it was much more organic and much more us. Uh, and it wound up being something that we were really, really proud of. Sure. Um, the way that it that it uh, all shaped up and turned out. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I do love it. Um, that's actually when I first discovered you guys personally and just, you know, I had seen the name and then I finally heard it and I was like, oh, this is great. Um, uh, you know, after that EP came out, what was the touring like? Did did, you, did it ramp up quite a bit? And were you kind of touring with the same same uh, bands that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I mean, we kind of always toured in and out with 
Cassiesburg and Hollow. Uh, those are bands we just were good friends with. Yeah. A lot of bands with Hollow. Um, but then uh, in 2006, we got on with uh, Brand New. Um, they, oh, wow. They're... They had recorded their demos for what would be, what would be the Devil and God. Um, they recorded the demos and stuff for that in Oxford, and so they had kind of. We didn't ever meet them while they were actually in Mississippi, but we um, they met a bunch of people that we knew and kind of got introduced to us that way. And they asked us to come play at Johns Hopkins. They hadn't played a show in like three years or something like that. Um, they had only been writing and recording and then had just taken kind of a hiatus. But they were playing their first show in a long time at Johns Hopkins. Um, and they asked us to come play. Their, uh, their booking agent and kind of reached out to us and he was interested in uh, picking us up. And so uh, we, we left, I think, got out of school. They, the guys got out of school on like a Friday and we drove up there. I think I was my senior year, so I was at school too. So we drove up um, all the way for that show. And then uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was like, you know, full student body, kind of yeah. large, biggest crowd we'd ever played for. And I could, and maybe 1,200 or something like that. I can't, I don't know exactly, but it was a lot. And um, it was one of their first shows in forever. And so they had a ton of people come. And uh, it was, Huge stage, huge crowd. We were just like, this is this is way cooler than playing some of the places we've been playing every year. Yeah, yeah. We um, uh, we played that show. We kind of knew it was sort of an audition as well. We knew it was more than just a show. We knew that uh, their booking agent Andrew mm. uh, was 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 looking at us, and so was it uh, Andrew Ellis? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch yeah. that, so I the, the, yeah, 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 the yeah. Name. yeah. Yeah, so he uh, he did pick us up, and, and we started doing more tours. But that was in 2006, and then I had graduated college. I had moved to Oxford, um, where my girlfriend, who became my wife, was living, and where all the whole band lived. And so I was like, everything, um, everything in my life is in Oxford. I'm going to move to Oxford. Um, but I was, what, 23 years old, um, had a Christian studies degree, uh, moved to Oxford, another college town, um, you know, I couldn't even get a job washing dishes at a Mexican restaurant. Like, I tried everything. The only job I could get was, um, substitute teaching at two different schools, and in a whole semester, I got called seven times. So that's not enough to mm -hmm. you know, pay rent and, and live your life on. I was sure. getting paid two dollars for every colorable T-shirt we sold. I would ride my bike to the post. I would package it, ride my bike to the post office, and mail it out. So that was my portion. Of, you know, so I was just essentially destitute, not making any money at all. And uh, Jesse Lacey from Brand New came uh, to Oxford just to hang out and uh, spend the weekend. And he was going to play a solo acoustic show. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was great. Like, it was a super fun weekend, super fun show. 
but he, you know, we were just hanging out and he was just like, come on the road with us. He's like, what are y'all going to be doing, you know, the next semester? And I was like, well, the guys are trying to finish school up. And so they're going to, I think they were juniors, maybe there was like, you know, they've got, a, they're taking a lot of classes. We're really just going to try and practice and write. We're not going to do a ton of shows during the next semester. And he was like, come be our guitar tech uh, on our Europe tour. And I was like, Europe tour. And he was like, yeah, we're doing uh, UK and, and Europe. Wow. Um, and it was like January and February of 2007. And so I was like, you know, I talked to the guys about it and they were like, yeah, if that's um, what you want to do, you know, like you'll make it, it'll make a ton of money, you know, for that point in my life, it was the most money I'd ever imagined. Sure. <laughs> and so uh, I was just like, and as a chance to go, to all these places and so I was like you know I really want to do it and they were like look we're taking it easy this will help you you'll come back with a lot of money you'll be able to kind of relax a little bit and so um I went and and did that tour it was life-changing me without you was actually the opener on that wow that's cool I got to see me without you play like 30 40 something times you know in a row and got to hang out with those guys a lot um and so, you know, it was a great experience. Uh, yeah. Um, was I a good guitar tech? Probably not. <laughs> it was my, I mean, I'd never done it before. And then they were like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to be, you know, one of our two techs. And so I, uh, I had um, Vinny and Derek, uh, you know, I did, Jesse hired me, but I wasn't his guitar tech. <laughs> the other, the other two guys. And so, uh, it was super fun. I learned a ton. Um, very, very fond memories of that. But That's awesome. Back from that tour, knowing a couple of different things, knowing um, I definitely wanted to spend my life with uh, my wife, Allie, who was my girlfriend at the time. So whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it with her. Um, and yeah. then knowing that, you know, I, I, I still wanted to do music. Uh, but that was kind of, um, everything sort of got thrown in my face at that point. Reality hit hard because I, um, I got back from that tour and we were set to practice. We were going to have kind of a meeting, a catch up meeting. And I was going to tell them about, um, you know, I talked to the new that you did. I talked to you and I, I made a lot of connections and I was like, sure. you know, there's things we can we can build on from this, you know, because I did this guitar tech tour, I, I can, it can benefit Colorable. We, we were gearing up for some different things and getting real excited about stuff. Andrew had gotten us on some, some good dates, I think, that were coming up. And um, we sat down at the house that me and Jimmy and another guy shared. And they um, just kind of straight out, we're just like, we don't want you to be in the band anymore. Whoa. So it was, um, Coming off a pretty high, uh, you know, touring Europe and UK and getting to see all that and getting to see how the behind the scenes stuff in, in a tour like that works, uh, you know, it was just like pretty big shock to the system um, yeah. to think like, oh, this is your, because it wasn't just not, you know, like, oh, we don't want to hang out with you anymore. It was essentially getting fired from a business you created. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you helped create and so there was a lot of reasons that they had um you know um 
I didn't feel like I was contributing much to the songwriting, um, which was difficult to do because Sean and Jess were both the primary songwriters and had very, very strong opinions. I'd been taken aside by one of the guys at one point in time and told, hey, if they want it to be a certain way, you know, just let's just do it that way. And so I was like, all right. Um, you know, I, I was pretty easy to please the songwriting. But, yeah. Um, didn't feel like I was having the, the, the contribution at all. Uh, it was just in a point where I was not playing super well. Uh, we had done some demos uh, with a guy named Jimbo Mathis. Uh, he was in the Squirrel Nut Zippers, and he's like oh, a nice. artist and stuff. Uh, he's, he's got his little studio in Como, Mississippi. Um, we had done some demos there, and uh, I just I did not do well. I played pretty poorly. Um but, you know, it was also a point in my life where I, we were starting to use, like, in-ears for uh, click when we recorded, and it was stuff like that that I just had never been taught how to do. I, sure. I learned eventually, but it was pretty new to me, and, and like, that experience with, with that, um, you know, that being my first experience and then being graded on that was um, and probably fair, but, it, you know, there were there were excuses. I had excuses, but sure. I, I know now that those don't amount to much, you know. But in, in it, as a twenty three year old, they they you know you had excuses for everything. Um, so I could explain away anything that I did wrong, and I essentially say, well, like, well, you know, it's yeah. probably somebody else's fault. But um, mm-hmm. there had been some mental health stuff develop in all of us. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but for myself, um, I would not be diagnosed with depression and anxiety until uh, I was like 38 years old. And so um, I lived with that and struggled with that for a long time. I mean, it affected wow. how I, you know, I, I think me not being in that band was a direct result of, um, Things I wasn't dealing with uh, from a mental yeah. health perspective, um, from just a growing up perspective. You know, we started to clash a lot, me and some of the guys. Yeah. Um, I was taking on a lot when we would, we had a tour manager named Palmer that was a saint uh, that was just super awesome, but he didn't get to go on every tour. He was another college student guy. And so a lot of the tours we went on, I was like de facto tour manager and slash tour dad slash every question had to go through me but I was also playing everything and like having to settle up all the money yeah going with the guest list not I was overwhelmed you know sure um, sure did not know how to cope and deal with that kind of stuff um you know 10 years ago I probably would have uh still been like uh just overwhelmed and you know it's not my fault but now, as you get older, you can kind of start looking back and say, well, you know what, like, you know, yeah, it sucked. It was a devastating thing that sure. them kicking me out of the band. But, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't to blame as well. There's blame to go around everywhere. Sure. Sure. I'm not going to harp on their faults you know that doesn't benefit anybody it, this isn't a reality show you drag up <laughs> yeah that kind of yeah. garbage but um it does kind of it is a good example of kind of what growing up 
looks like and the conflicts and things that come about because sure. you're becoming yeah. a person, <laughs> you know, full, fully fledged. A grown up. You know, yeah. uh, you know uh, I brought a lot of the conflict to that table and I, you know, I, um, I take my responsibility for my um, faults in that for, um, you know, for my personality conflicts, for the uh, the musical aspect of it, like I could have, you know, worked harder on that. Sure, sure. Um, or thing, you know, there were, you know, depression elements to that that, that really held me back. And it would be decades yeah. <laughs> before I yeah. uh, even began to deal with any of that. And so, oh, I get that. You know, it, it was a traumatic event in my life. I'm sure, it was. You know? Because it not only changed what I was doing as a career path, uh, it was also like, oh dang, where I live here because of this, um, solely because of this. And my and my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, my girlfriend is not making me any money, so I was like, I can't just stay in this town um, because and it's super awkward to be living with the guys that just kicked you out of a yeah. dance. Um, by the time I got back from Europe, they had already been practicing with, practicing with Patrick, who would replace me. Um, and so, you know, uh, it changed my trajectory because now I was like, well, what am I going to do? And so I, my friend Emmy, uh, Emmy Sprayberry, she she knew a guy named Cheney, not the same Cheney from position, <laughs> but it, there's a lot of changes in my life. <laughs> The Cheney that I currently work for um, was uh, had just grown his store to include a skate park that was also a music venue. He That's needed awesome. somebody to move back and run the music venue. And so um, who knew that scene, knew how that stuff worked. And so I'd had a lot of experience booking shows and stuff like that. And so I, I moved back to Jackson and took that job. Um, and it wound up really loving it. It was super awesome. Uh, I only wound up doing it for seven months because then I got into grad school in Memphis and wound up moving. Um, but then after I finished grad school, I came back. Uh, and he had, you know, he had moved the store. He didn't have the park and venue anymore, but uh, still got back in that. Um, That's cool. It was, it was a big thing. Like I'm doing what I'm doing now, sort of in part because of all that. But um, in that period of time, I, you know, I was super discouraged and sure. did not, I did not feel like I could play music. You know, yeah. I, felt, yeah. I felt like with these guys who I've been playing music with for all these years essentially told me I'm not good enough at music <laughs> to be in their band. And so I was just like, I can't do this. Um, but I had been with Brand New in Europe and I had made this chunk of money that I didn't really have much to do with anymore. Uh, since I wasn't, I was back home living with my parents because I didn't know what else to do. But um, in the, for the meantime, for that kind of seven-month period, uh, I wound up buying a guitar, bought a thin line telly, and I, uh, you know, uh, started getting a few pedals. And then my brother, who was 16 years older than me, um, had always been kind of my biggest supporter in music. Yeah. He and my mom would drive to see, they came to the brand new tour and I think 
uh, Dallas because it was the closest one. Like, uh, they, you know, he was at as much as he could be, just super supported what we were doing. And um, he uh, he was like, I'm going to, you know, he's like, you can't, he's like, you can do music. He's like, you can start another band. Because he had kind of asked me, like, what are you doing now? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And I, Thing. He was like, you should start another band. And I was like, I can't start a band and write songs and do all this stuff. I was just like, I just, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, and he was like, bullshit, <laughs> you can do, you can do it. You know, and so we, um, he bought me a, a Fender Deluxe guitar amp and bought me a, a couple pedals and, um, you know, all this different stuff. And it's just like, do it. <laughs> like you can do it. You want to do it. Yeah, yeah. You want to do it, but like a can. Um, so he bought me the stuff, and he was like, "Now you have to do it." <laughs> and, then, uh, and so we, I started a band with a couple of my friends who were sort of like in the same position as me, like sure. um, sort of music world outcast. You know, no one else had really given a chance. Uh, me and my friend Don started a band called Captain and Company. Yeah. And there's one song that you can probably look up on Spotify and Insta- or, um, uh, Apple Music and stuff now called Once Was an Optimist. But uh, we, we, we released two albums. I just haven't, I need to put those up one day. <laughs> I just never have. But um, we recorded it all ourselves with our friend uh, Tony. We recorded our first record um, in a trailer. Uh, in the middle of nowhere that had no running water. Wow. Uh, he just went and peed outside or poured jugs of water in the toilet. Um, Crazy. He had no running water, but he had power, and he had a small little studio. He was our drummer, so we recorded <laughs> We recorded with him. It was a um, super cool experience um, just being out in the middle of nowhere, um, drinking beer and recording songs. Yeah. <laughs> it was a That's very awesome. cool experience. Um, and it, it really just, that band, even though it doesn't mean much to the rest of the world, means a lot to me because sure. uh, it really, when I think of redemption, um, mm-hmm. it really is kind of a story of redemption for me because I, I kind of got, you know, I crashed and burned and then, um, out of the ashes sort of rose up again because of my brother who was such an encouragement. Um, and even though it did, you know, like we played a lot of shows, you know, we, uh, we moved to, I moved to Memphis, Don wound up moving to Memphis as well. Um, and just kind of doing whatever. So the whole time I was in grad school, we were just still doing Captain company. We would play a lot of shows in Memphis. Um, and uh, you just had a great time. It was just yeah. super fun to do. And um, was it great? Probably not. But it was fun. It was creative in in our our way. You know, it was um, everything we wanted it to be. And there wound up being like 30 different people that were in that band at one point in time. Wow. Wow. Um, we would uh, people would move. We would move. Uh, eventually moved back to Jackson after I got married and um, we kind of restarted the band again with Ty Garvey and yes. um, and uh, our friend Casey Cumbus and another guy named Justin. Uh, it was super fun just to kind of do it. It had a lot of different iterations, but um, the, the version you can hear that song once was an optimist is uh, was, was Ty and Casey and them. Um, oh, cool. So it was kind of the last uh, iteration of it. 
um, super fun just to kind of get back into it and say like, you know what, I, I can do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, my, my brother wound up um, in 2016, he died from, mm. uh, from cancer. He had had lung cancer that you know, just kind of took over. He, he fought it for nine years, which is most people don't get to do. Uh, yeah fight it that long and that hard but uh he he got to to really really stretch it out um three different battles with it three different you know different comebacks and then yeah uh, before he finally um you know just couldn't go anymore but Mm. uh, because of his influence on me because of his uh the way he encouraged me and supported my art um I have a tattoo of our first, about um, one of the images from that first Captain Company record because it's called, I was born in the house my grandfather built. And uh, I have a tattoo of some of that artwork because it reminds me, one, of just like redemption. Sure. All things are possible. You're never just completely down and out. And two, just how supportive and influence he was in my life. That's awesome. Um, it, it always reminds me of that. So that project is super important to me. Sure. You know, no matter what, and I'll always be grateful for it. That's cool, dude. I love that. Yeah. I mean, so sorry to hear <clears throat> about your brother passing, but what a testament, um, you know, to not only who he was, but the influence he was in your life, and yeah. and the fact that you look back on that fondly, and it's something that, like you did, like you said, you went from crashing and burning to picking up the the pieces, and yeah. you know, your brother was your biggest cheerleader. I love that. That's beautiful. I love I love hearing that. Um, so is that kind of what led into Don Quixote's horse? I know you mentioned Ty. Yeah, uh, playing with you. Let's talk about Don Quixote's. I, yeah. I love it. Uh, Ty, I had him on the podcast recently. So cool, so awesome, and he mentioned it, and I had never heard it, and checked it out. <laughs> really dug it, man. I was in yeah, um, yeah, I love what we're doing right now because it's like we love that people like it when they like it, but the most important thing is that we like it and that we're having fun. That's <laughs> having great. Fun. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a 40-year-old dad, uh, and so getting to go travel and play shows and hang out with three of my best friends is uh, is like, you know, it's art and it's a band. It's also most of my social life at this point. <laughs> sure. No, totally. So, um, um, yeah, you know, it, it's super fun to be a part of. We, um, Ty, He's moved back and forth between here and Memphis, Tennessee, like 15 times. But <laughs> when he went, one of the times he had moved back here, he um, he asked uh, our friend Jason from Memphis was in town staying with him. And he just, he wanted to, you know, we were hanging out. And he was like, you want to play through the song I started writing? Uh, we started playing it. And, uh, it wound up being the song Trust that's on our um, okay, yeah, yeah. first uh, first EP that we did. And, um, you know, fantastic EP. And it, it was super cool. Uh, we were just like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to get him to, to, you know, write more songs and kind of be more in the front um, for a long time just because sure. I thought he was – Ty was so talented. You had done tons of church music stuff with Ty. Yeah. Um, we had been in our first band we were ever in together. It was called We're Not Ugly. It's a, it was yeah, a, I think you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think he did. You mentioned that too. Don't go look that up. You won't find it. <laughs> I'll find you and destroy it. It's, um, it has gone awful, but it was uh, our first kind of foray into it. Yeah. Together, and then you know we did uh, a lot of other. We were always just jamming, like at uh, Robert from Jim's at his house. We would have a different band every couple weeks, and um, that was just like a joke. And you know, then they you. Know, the joke of Jonesetta became a real oh, thing. Uh, but, you know, we were always all playing music together and, uh, and just having a good time. It was, it was how we hung out. It was, it was fun for us. And so um, me and Ty's music lives have always kind of intersected. It, it's kind of funny that our, our big things we did with Jonesetta and Colorville, um, that neither of us were in either. You know, like we were in both of those bands. <laughs> like, I feel like I should have been in that band or he should have been in Colorville. But, um, that was pretty much the only time our, our musical careers really diverged. Uh, but he um, he had started writing these songs. We started messing around with them, and um, that took shape. And eventually, we were like, we should play a show. And so we had a show opportunity came up in Memphis, and I was just like, let's do it. Um, That's awesome. That'll that'll make us one finish these songs. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and it did. It made us finish the songs we were working on, and. Um, and and actually start working on recording those and everything. So it really started taking shape into something that was uh, that was fun. That was um, nostalgic for us because you know our influences are very much what people I mentioned earlier. You know, and, uh, yeah, and a lot more. But just the kind of early indie rock vibes from the our early indie rock vibes from like that early two thousands period. Um, that, that we were just like, we want to do stuff like this. <laughs> we don't yeah. really want to do stuff, um, anything different. So sure. we just started working on stuff that we liked and uh, it was fun for us. And, um, it's what it is today. So That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, so you got, did you get to open for like Colony House or somebody like that? Or I thought but, I read um, that. We played a little mini fest in Covington, Louisiana this past year. And um, we were one of the openers um, for those guys. And, yeah, they were super fun. That's awesome. Probably one of the bigger shows we've played, um, for sure. Uh, it's kind of an opening of a new coffee house cocktail bar that That's uh, awesome. they decided, you know, for their grand opening deal, booked a little festival. <laughs> That's so cool. I love yeah. that, man. I love that. Yeah. I love that you guys can just kind of do it at your own pace, have fun with it, yeah. enjoy it, no pressure, no touring, just show here and there, hang out, drink beer, do your thing. Well, we played eight shows last year, and we were like, that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> yeah, some in there. Um, that's awesome, though. Well, one day's in his late 20s, but then the rest of us are 40 or closer to 40. Sure. Um, so, you know, we had a great time with it. We got to do it. Mean, we did a little weekend tour, and we'll probably do some more stuff like that this coming year. That's exciting. Uh, we're set to record a, a 30 piece, a little bit longer. We might even, instead of three songs, we might even do five this time. Oh, oh, oh. We're working on that now. We've got a studio in Memphis we're going to do that in. Uh, Ty's going to do most of the mixing and mastering and stuff on that. And, um, I, I, we're pretty proud of it. I think it's a good jump from um, from kind of where we've uh, been to where we're kind of going. And yeah. A bit more of a maturing of the sound and stuff like that. So, That's awesome. I love um, hearing that. We're excited to see what it, what it sounds like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear it too. That's, yeah. that's really cool. I love hearing that, man. Well, I know you just mentioned, uh, you know, the future for that band, but what does the future look like for you in general? What, what do you, how do you feel the, the future looks for you? Um, my kids gonna be four and then five and then six and then we're gonna keep going from there (laughs) yeah that's it right now we're looking at what school she's gonna go to next year um that kind of thing so yeah we're you know business side is we're trying to grow and develop that see what we could potentially do on that front and turn what we can turn that into yeah um, you know musically we just want to keep plugging away like a I think all of us are kind of in this Don Quixote's horse deal for as long as it's feasibly possible, and then probably some after that. So we just want to keep doing what we're doing, uh, playing shows, and hopefully get to play for more and more people. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the goal is to make art and have a good time, and uh, hopefully those things we'll get to keep doing. Yeah, I'm sure you will. That's awesome. Drew, this has been such a cool conversation, man. I really yeah, appreciate you we coming on the podcast and hanging out and telling me yeah, your past I and your story. It. Yeah, man. You're awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. And, and uh, man, hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll come play up there. <laughs> okay. Sounds yeah. good, buddy. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you to the listener for tuning in again. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for the likes, the shares, the subscribes, uh, all the nice messages you've sent. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Drew Mellon. Awesome conversation. Thank you for your time. It was awesome to get to know you. So thank you again, Drew. Amazing artists on the horizon, guys. And nostalgia, it's still a heck of a drug. 